You have your Bibles turned to Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, and as a church, we've been looking at the life, oh yeah, sorry, if you don't have a Bible, um, Kat over there to your right has Bibles available for you, Um, and again, as I always say, as a church, we really want you to be seeing what is being talked about as we, you know, as we discuss it, and so grab a Bible so that you can actually see what we're discussing um, like I always say, I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to see it for yourself. And so grab a Bible if you have one. And so Mark chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 30 to 44. And um, as we read, you guys are going to be familiar with this story, very familiar with this story. And so follow along as I read. <clears throat> Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Verse 35. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he, that is Jesus, answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided them and he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Pray with me. God, give us eyes to see. Give us hearts that are receptive to your truths, and may you, through your spirit, not only give us understanding, but empower us to be able to live out these truths in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Um, As you guys know, I have three kids, three kids, Um, cute, my son, Jesse, who's seven, Love him a lot. I really do. He is totally different to me 
in that he is more introverted and he doesn't seem to be as athletic as, you know, I was when I was growing up, I think. Um, so Jesse, when we were living in Phoenix, um, I, you know, I'm a big soccer fan. I am because I'm from England and I really wanted him to play soccer and we managed to sign him up for soccer shots, one of those soccer camps. And just before he began playing as a father, as all fathers do, I started to coach him, you know, and I would coach him and I would give him tips like, son, it's all about teamwork, okay? It's all about teamwork. It's not about individual you know, accomplishments on the pitch, play as a team. And when you play as a team, you are going to see the benefits. And so I gave him that advice. And kind of that was the broken record. I was giving that kind of advice. And I remember one match, he finally played well, really well. It took him a while. He was awful. His first game, unbelievable. Like, here I am, like British dad, standing on the sidelines, you know, and my son just sucks. He's just running after the ball all the time. He's not positioning himself in the right place. But over time, he really improved. And the game, he finally scored a goal. And I remember this. He scores a goal right? And everyone's cheering. He looks at me with excitement, with enthusiasm, and says, Dad, I scored, you know, kind of, I scored. And basically, what I could hear him saying was, everything you told me actually worked. In this passage, um, in verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught, okay? And I can imagine this was what the apostles, similar to my son, they were excited Jesus had sent them out on their first ever mission trip, and they returned with excitement, and they're very much telling Jesus everything they had done and everything they had said. And you can imagine it full of delight, full of excitement, they come back to Jesus saying, Jesus, everything worked like Jesus, like just like you. We were able to heal the sick, just like you. We were able to cast out demons, and just like you, we were able to teach people. And as we taught people about your kingdom and um, the culture of your kingdom, people were actually receptive. Look at verse 31. It says, And he, that is Jesus, said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Jesus and his disciples are a magnet for people, okay? Like bees to a beehive, they continue to to swarm around Jesus and his disciples, making it almost impossible for them to even find a time to grab a bite to eat. So without hesitation, Jesus says to them, come away with me to a quiet place so you can get some rest. These words by Jesus are full of tender consideration and deep wisdom. Our culture is addicted to hurry and busyness. We're obsessed with work 
And because of this, we kind of have an aversion to rest. We find it hard to rest well. I know this to be true. So last week, you guys know, I was in a horrible state right about now. Yeah? I was really sick. Um, and I managed to just get through it, preach the sermon. Some people said I looked like death, like up here. And I probably did. Whatever. I did it by God's grace. And so I get home. I am feeling the symptoms of um, flu-like symptoms. My body's aching. I've got this horrible headache. I walk home. I drop everything. And I just lay on the sofa for most of the day. I slept and I drank lots of Gatorade, which helps a lot. Um, and I woke up on Monday morning, and on Monday morning, I felt amazing, okay? And because I felt amazing, what did I do, right? I was back at it, right? I was doing everything I did on a Monday. On Mondays, I was working hard. I was just go, 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 go. And I've, I'm thinking about it now, that I remember when I was sick, on Sunday, I'm lying there thinking to myself, man, I've got a lot to do during the week, and I hate the fact that I may not be able to do it, okay? I may not be able to do it. And in looking back at it, I am addicted to work. I am addicted to business. I am addicted to hurry, and most of you are. The healthy rhythm of work and rest is non-existent in most of our lives. And so inviting his disciples to disconnect in order to rest is a reminder for us, Jesus' modern-day disciples, right, to include regular times of rest in our schedules. We cannot and should not serve others 24 hours a day. We need to withdraw occasionally from public work so we can rest. Maybe you're here and you're feeling the weight and burden of life. You're tired, exhausted, overwhelmed, and some of you may be at the point of burnout. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom or a young professional or a student or military personnel, Jesus is inviting you to rest. He is saying to you, come away with me to a desolate place so you can rest. And what's interesting about all of this is the kind of rest Jesus is offering is not sleeping for hours, okay? That's very restful. Or vegging out on the sofa and watching endless episodes of Netflix. It's not the kind of rest Jesus is offering. But the rest Jesus is inviting you to is a retreat that has him as the central focus. And when Jesus is at the center, not only of your life, but of the times you get away to rest, that is when you'll be able to find true rest for your restless soul. Look at verse 32. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. 
Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And so Jesus' plan for some respite from the rowdy, noisy, and needy crowd may not go according to plan after all, because many recognized them and figured out where they were going. So they began to make their way way there as well. And uh, as groups of people began making their way there, news spread throughout the towns about Jesus' destination and where Jesus was going. And so many who heard also started to make their way there, keeping his boat in sight and following along on the shore. They've all heard about Jesus. Rumor has it, that his teachings are outstanding and his miracles are extraordinary. But only a few have actually seen him in person. And so many are eager to meet this compelling and controversial rabbi from Nazareth whose popularity has been growing at an astronomical rate. People are excited and they want to see Jesus. And look at the end of verse, the um, beginning of verse 34. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And so, as Jesus and his disciples inch closer to their destination, of course, they notice a crowd forming. Okay? And as soon as they arrive and they step foot on the sandy shores, they are met with a crowd. Jesus' purpose was to retreat, to spend some R&L time with his disciples, but now he finds himself surrounded by a large crowd eager to hear from him. I know, you know, what it's like to have your plans of relaxation interrupted. I do. I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a pastor, and as a man who wears all of these hats, I sure do know what it's like to have plans of relaxation interrupted, okay? I do. Most of you know what it's like to be interrupted and disturbed. Is there any parents in here? Parents in here, right? You know what it's like. You've had one of those crazy days where your kids are hyperactive, more hyper than they've ever been, right? You've been taking, doing errands and cleaning and picking up toys and rubbing snot off of your faces all the time. Snot. And kids, it just keeps coming. I don't know what, where it comes from. But anyway, you're, it's just a crazy busy day, right? And then finally, you shower the kids and you put them to bed and you put your feet up ready to relax. And then as soon as you relax, one of them starts to cry, okay? Some of you live with roommates, okay? You don't live alone. Most people don't in San Diego. They live with other people. Think about it. You've had a busy day at work. You get home. You grab a bite to eat. You have a shower. You go in your room. You sit. You're ready to just watch some Netflix or something, right? And just fade into sleep. And as soon as you do, one of your roommates walks in and goes, Hey, something just happened. I need to talk to you about something. Most of the time when we are interrupted, it's frustrating, right? 
It's frustrating and it can be annoying. But in this situation, it's amazing. That's how I'm sure Jesus' disciples felt, right? They, 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 they've gone away and they need time to relax, but all of a sudden, their time of relaxation and retreat is disturbed by this massive crowd. But Jesus is so different to us. He was not angered or frustrated or inconvenienced by the crowd. As worn out as he was, Jesus was stirred up by something even more powerful than his tiredness, and that was compassion. Look at the end of 34. It says, and Jesus, seeing this crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Jesus was moved by compassion when he saw the crowd. Okay? People respond differently to things. While a man trying to sleep on a plane is annoyed by a crying baby, okay, the mother of the baby responds with compassion. Okay? While I, Obed, will be extremely terrified and frightened for my life in the middle of a swimming pool, some of you... <laughs> Some of you would be filled with sheer joy and excitement as you float in and out the water like a dolphin. <laughs> people respond differently to things. While most people would have viewed the crowd as a swarm of annoying flies, Jesus viewed them way different. He viewed them with compassion. Why? Because they were sheep without a shepherd. Paul Tripp um, helps us understand the nature of a sheep when he says sheep by creation are dependent. Sheep don't do very well by themselves. Sheep don't feed themselves well. They don't guide themselves well. They don't protect themselves well. And sheep without a shepherd, by their very nature of that, are in trouble. In other words, what Jesus saw were spiritually and physically hungry people. They were spiritually starved as well as materially impoverished, and nobody seemed to care. And the truth is, Jesus has, uh, Jesus has merciful compassion toward you and toward a needy world, just as he did toward the 5,000 people that day. And so my question to you is, as a Jesus follower, as someone who claims to live for and love Jesus, right, how do you view the world? Do you, like him, feel deep compassion for all who live their lives apart from him? Do you use every means and give all that you can to willingly spread the gospel? Jesus looked at the dense and commanding and demanding crowd that had just interrupted his retreat and was compassionate towards them because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And what he did he do? He began to teach them. Look at verse 35. It says, And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. 
Look at verse 36. And they said, send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And this all makes sense, right? Disciples, Jesus, they've been ambushed by this large crowd. Jesus extends compassion and feeds their soul with his teachings. His teachings have been so good, many hours have gone by and they've lost track of time. So his disciples politely interrupt him and remind him of the time. Um, And so they suggest that Jesus send the crowds away to the nearby villages so they can get something to eat because it's getting too late. And this all makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. But Jesus' response is unexpected. Earlier, when you expected Jesus to tell the crowds to go away because him and his disciples needed time to rest and relax, right? Jesus had compassion on them and allowed them to stay and he taught them. Okay, for hours on end. Now, it's getting late. They're in a desolate place. The nearest town is many miles away. So when you expect him to agree with his disciples, suggesting to send the people away so that they can get something to eat, Jesus' response is surprising again. Look at verse 37. He says to them, but he answered them, you give them something to eat. And you can imagine the look on the disciples' face, kind of like puzzled. Like, what do you mean give them something to eat? What do we have? Uh, look at verse 37 again. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And this has a sarcastic tone to it. It really did. Because 200 denarii was a lot of money. It you know, kind of amounted to about six months worth of um, someone's wage. In other words, what Jesus' disciples are saying is, Jesus, we're willing to go to the villages and get whatever is needed to feed these people. But as you can see, okay, there's a lot of people here. There's over 5,000 people, and there's no way we can afford to feed them all. Doesn't make sense. We don't have the necessary resources to provide for all these people. Verse 38, look at verse 38. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, fish and um, five and two fish. Verse 39, Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass, verse 40. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And at this point, you can imagine what his disciples are thinking. Um, They've explained to him what makes sense to them and to everyone else. But now Jesus is suddenly telling them to organize people in groups. Look at verse 41. And taking the five loaves and two fish... He looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. Verse 43. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of the fish. And verse 44. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. After... Being uncomfortable 
and confused by Jesus' actions, the disciples and the thousands who were there that day witnessed a miracle. They witnessed a miracle. Now, most of you are familiar with this passage, okay? Most of you know about this passage. It's very popular. It's been so many paintings and so many movies that have tried to reimagine and depict this story. The interesting and the unfortunate thing is some people actually don't believe that this actually happened. Okay? Some people explain it away. They say, this is what really happened. Before Jesus got to this desolate place, he and his disciples grabbed a ton of fish, a ton of loaves, took it to a nearby cave, and hid it there. So this is all planned and set up. It's what they're saying. And so, when it came to the point where people were hungry, this is what Jesus and his disciples did, right? The disciples lined up, and Jesus wore this big cloak, right? And the disciples passed the bread and the fish through the cloak, right? And then they distributed it to the people. Some people also says that it was an ethical provision. And what they mean by that is some of the people from the crowd that ended up going took some food with them, okay? They were like, you know what, I'm just going to grab my packed lunch and grab some loaves and grab some fish and grab whatever and I'm going to take it with me, okay? And so when they were there... Jesus was like, is there anyone that has fish and bread and everything willing to share? And some people were like, yeah, I do, I do. And apparently there was enough for everyone to share and get something to eat. The reason why this incident and event actually happened is because of how much evidence is available. The Bible we believe in, and the Bible I'm holding in my hand, is the most reliable source of information ever, right? It's the best-selling book, all of that, but it's so reliable. And the reason why you can have confidence that Jesus actually did this miracle and Jesus fed all of these people is this account doesn't only appear in one place. It appears in the three other Gospels. It really does. And in the three other Gospels, they provide details that are just details that, 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 that just make it make sense that it actually happened. And so, because this actually happened, what does it tell us about who Jesus is? Imagine being there that day. Imagine witnessing a miracle of this magnitude. I am sure 
If you were part of the crowd, you will be asking yourself, who is this man? The disciples are asking the same question because not too long ago, they saw Jesus, or not too long ago, they saw Jesus calm a storm. And now they've seen him feed thousands of people with a small amount of resource. And that is the question, this story, and most of the content in the Gospel of Mark is meant to provoke in all of our hearts and all of our minds. Who is Jesus? In this story, we find that Jesus is a compassionate shepherd who provides for those in need. Okay? Jesus didn't tell the needy crowd to go away. Instead, he was compassionate towards them. And his care for them enabled him to provide for their spiritual needs as well as their physical needs. And this should bring great comfort to us all as his modern day disciples. If Jesus is willing to provide for the crowds, if Jesus is willing to do a miracle that is mind-bending and mind-blowing, it's absolutely true that Jesus is also able and willing to provide all of your needs. Eleanor and I and our family, we have needs. And we have needs our resources cannot meet. I am sure in your life, there are things in your life that you don't have the resources in order to provide for yourself. And whenever we're in that place, that is exactly when God works most powerfully. When we are weak and unable to make things happen for ourselves, that is when God actually works. And so my question to you today is, what miracle do you need from God? What do you need God to do that you don't have the necessary resources to provide for yourself? Next, Jesus is the compassionate shepherd. He pursues the lost. In Luke 15, um, Jesus tells a parable um, about a man um, who has a hundred sheep. And he goes on to say, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost just so I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need repentance Jesus told this parable to illustrate his unwavering commitment to redeeming the lost 
Jesus, as the shepherd, is willing to do all he can to seek and rescue um, a lost sheep. Jesus, the good and compassionate shepherd, has gone to great lengths to seek and save the lost. He really has. Jesus not only provided for the physical needs of the masses, but he also has provided for the spiritual needs of the world. And lastly, because Jesus pursues the loss, he is compassionate shepherd who is worth seeking. He's a compassionate shepherd who is worth seeking. It's my guess that in a room of this size, most of you have heard about Jesus. Some of you know about him more than others. But I would guess that all of you know something about Jesus. Some of you in this room are like his disciples. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. You have a real and satisfying relationship with him, and you would identify yourself as a Christian. To you, may this be a reminder to you that just as the disciples, let's be honest, okay? So the disciples tired, Jesus says, hey, let's go, let's go and rest, okay? They get there, and then plans have changed. And if we're honest with ourselves, if we were in their shoes, we would have reacted with, oh my goodness, Jesus, why? You made a promise to us, but it doesn't seem as if you're going to fulfill it. And so, as disciples of Jesus, be reminded that loving and living your life with Jesus is quite adventurous. He may change plans in your life. He may promise something You may be heading in one direction, but know that there's a possibility God can change your plans. And when he does, rest assured that God is about to do something way more fulfilling, way more satisfying than what you thought he was doing at the start. Others of you would identify yourself in this story as a member of the crowd. You've heard about Jesus, but you're not as close to him as his disciples. You don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, but you kind of have a personal relationship with Jesus. Like the crowd, you're kind of on the outskirts of when it comes to you and Jesus. And if this describes you this morning, let me encourage you to respond like the crowd. They heard about Jesus and many of them decided to drop everything 
so they can so that they could go to where Jesus was. This morning, if you've heard about Jesus, you've heard about his compassion for the lost, you've heard about his willingness to forgive sins and provide for all your needs, and you've heard about how he's the good shepherd that promises to protect you and provide for you, uh, that is, if you surrender your life to him, let me encourage you to seek hard after Jesus. Go to where Jesus can be found. And I guarantee when you do, you will experience Jesus so powerfully, you will want to live the rest of your life for him. I remember growing up in London, kind of grew up in the church, but I really didn't. And it got to a point when I was about 17 years old when there was this something crazy happening in my life, right? Just crazy happening in my life. And that, that led me to seeking Jesus. And I said to myself, I am going to explore Jesus for myself. And so I remember at school, in high school, they gave us our Red Gideon's Bible. You know, you guys, they give them out here in America, don't they? Yeah? Red Gideon's Bible. And I remember saying, I need to find my Red Gideon Bible. And no kidding me, my room was a mess. I lived with my brother. He's the messy one. I'm the clean one. But anyway, if he's listening to this now, I'm in trouble we should edit this from the, you know, the, the audio. Anyway, uh, but no, I live, and the room was a mess. But I remember saying, I need to find my Gideon's Bible because I want to read it and discover who Jesus truly is. And I'm not kidding you. Within an hour, in a crazy room, I had found my Gideon's Bible. And what I did was started to read the Gospels and started to read about Jesus. And the more I read the more I explored, the more I reflected on who Jesus is and what he said, the more I wanted to know him. And so if you're here and you're exploring and you're thinking about Jesus, be like the many in the crowd. Run hard. Go to where he is. And that is get a Bible, right? And read it. Find a church. Find a church community that loves Jesus and lives for Jesus. Find that. And I guarantee you will encounter Jesus. And when you encounter Jesus, he will blow your mind. Not just by providing physically. No, that's not it. But he will provide spiritually for you. He will help you see um, how far he went in order to provide you with the greatest gift any man can get, and that is a relationship with God. Jesus absolutely is God in human form. These miracles and all of these point to one thing, and that is if Jesus never said he was God, everything he did pointed to the fact that he was God, and Jesus is alive now, and he desires for us all to know him in the most 
intimate way. And when we run hard after Jesus, let's be confident knowing that he will blow our minds with his grace, his love, his forgiveness, and his mercy. Jesus is the good and compassionate shepherd. He will never, just like in this story, he will never, ever tell you to go away. He will never, ever reject you. You go to him, he will receive you with open arms and he will blow your mind with his grace and his mercy. Why? Because he'll show you. He'll show you that, man, you are a rebel. You are a sinner. You're not living your life for him. And even if you're not, and you recognize your sinfulness and your rebellion, he is willing and able to forgive and embrace you and give you life in abundance. Pray for me. Pray with me. Oh, God, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Um, help us all grow in our love <coughs> and appreciation for Jesus. May Jesus be lifted high. And as he is lifted high in our midst through our singing and our fellowship. Jesus, may you draw us all to yourself. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. This time we're going to transition to, it's called um, our reflection time right now. Um, it's a time where we want you to reflect on everything that has been said and the question. I want you guys to be um, thinking about uh, these four questions. What is God saying to you from this passage? What's God saying to you? All right? I did my best to apply it as much as I could. But what is God saying to you? Maybe it's something I said. Maybe it's something you read that jumped out. What is God saying to you right now? Question number two. What do you need to do about it? Question number three. When will you do it? And lastly, who will help you? So there are the four questions I want us to reflect on this time. And when our time is over, Dan and the team will let you, let you know. And we will sing and sing truths together and as we sing these truths we will be reminding each other not just who Jesus is but how gracious and merciful he is